Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 320. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. I welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week for free, where I give you the best information available online for you to succeed as a pre-med student. I don't charge you anything for that advice. Now, how do I support myself? Well, there are some ways that I support myself. I work with students one-on-one, so if that's something you're interested in looking at, go ahead and go to medicalschoolhq.net and you can see those options there. I'm doing less one-on-one work and more group work. We have a great video course about the personal statement. Uh, We have one coming up for the medical school interview where you get access to uh, uh, many hours of video content and then access to a secret Facebook group where we'll do some live office hours as well. Uh, You can uh, use my coupon codes that I have for Next Step Test Prep, for Princeton Review, uh, for MedQuest, and, and lots of other products. If there's something out there you're thinking about buying, reach out to me and see if I have a coupon code for you. There are lots of ways to support me. One of the best ways, again, is just to spread awareness of this podcast. So enough about me and the podcast. Let's dive into our guest today, a former special operations medic who decided he wanted to go to medical school and his path there. We'll talk all about his path, his struggles, his successes, and everything that has come along the way. Justin, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. When did you first realize you wanted to be a physician? Probably while I was training as a medic in special operations. What What was it about training as a medic that was like, hey, this is cool what I'm doing. I might as well be a doctor. Like, what what went through <laughs> your mind? I I was really fascinated by and found success in the the sciences, the the anatomy and physiology and the didactics. And in addition to that, I really loved just just the hands-on portion and just being able to affect change immediately there with you know bare bones bare bone resources so are you saying that you liked science and you wanted to help people because <laughs> that's what it sounds like you're telling me <laughs> oh man i 
I got suckered into that one, didn't I? <laughs> so what, what did, what led you into special operations, uh, which ultimately led to being a medic, and and then obviously having this kind of uh, career change pivot in your mind? What what were you doing before joining the military? Well, I had I had just recently finished a four year degree, and this is back during the financial crisis. And graduating at that time with a business degree uh, did not bode well for <laughs> job prospects. But, you know, anyways, I was, I was always going to join the military and, and try out for a special operations unit. And that was always the plan. And, um, you know, my parents stopped me right out of high school from doing that. And Why? You know, they, they had me, well, they just, they just wanted me to consider the implications. <clears throat> so they had me sit down with a family friend who was a, a retired special operations colonel guy, and and, and uh, we went to lunch, and he, he really uh, explained to me just the importance of having a backup plan and, and how you can't really plan for everything, and you always have to have a backup plan just in case. And so that's what I did. I went and I got a, got a business degree, and, and then I tried out for a special operations unit. And you made it. I made it. How, how does one, as you're entering special operations, you were selected to train to become a medic. How did that process work? Did you, did you go out and say, I want to do this? Or was it test scores that led you down this path? There are a, a series of, of tests, academic tests, as well as uh, physical endeavors that you have to overcome. And at the end of it, they they give you a choice, pretty much. And... With uh, with your test scores, they kind of give you, hey, you know, we think you'd be good for this. We'd like to steer you towards this. And they said, hey, your your test scores are pretty good. We think you'd uh, you'd excel in this area. And and that was the medic area. And that's what I chose. So you're you're in your training, and you you have this mini epiphany, like, oh wow, like I went to school for business, but I think this medical thing is kind of cool did you like go hey guys i I don't think i want to be a medic anymore i want to go back to school to become a physician did you like try to get out of your commitment at all to to jump start your your doctor career no no um you know going going through training and then and then serving abroad um it didn't really it didn't really come to my attention that i was I was going to be a doctor. Like that's that's the path that I wanted to set out on. Um, so I, I had always had a commitment to my to my service, and I, I didn't really try to get out of you know my commitment. If if anything, you know, I, I there was a chance I may have stayed in if other situations hadn't happened. You said that you weren't necessarily sure you wanted to be a doctor, but in the beginning you said that was kind of when you realized was your medic training when you realized you wanted to be a doctor. What what was it that, that really solidified in your mind that uh at some point in the future you wanted to to go to medical school? It wasn't until I eventually started seeing patients and and actually treating people and having gained experience and confidence in my abilities that it really crystallized that 
being a doctor is was the path I wanted to to eventually go out on. And you're in an interesting situation for for the civilian listening to this who might not know. As a medic in special operations, there are certain situations where you're in where you basically are the doctor without the doctor training. Uh, obviously, through medic school, you get a lot of training, uh, but you're in a lot of situations the only person there treating uh, somebody, trying to save somebody, treating them, diagnosing them. What was that like going through that process? Going like I'm the man right now. Like I don't need to go to medical school. I'm doing it now. <laughs> It's surreal, but at the same time, you're you're constantly aware of your limitations and what you can and cannot bring to the table to help the person in front of you. So it's it's a it's a fantastic opportunity, and I'm really grateful for it. But at the same time, you just you're just frustrated the whole time because you know you're constantly aware of your limitations, and you know you're always staying in contact with with the physician who's overseeing your your medical your your medical um situation wherever you are so that's that's really the big thing i was always i always had a good relationship with the with the physician that oversaw my capabilities and my scope what's like the the coolest thing you were able to do as a medic in special operations uh i'd, I'd probably have to say that you know out, out on missions and and you're able to to help guys that get hurt you know, you're you're there for them when they get hurt, and you're able to to make sure that they make it back to to some place that can provide a higher level of care and and just be for be there for them. That's it's pretty powerful for me, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the the kind of pinnacle of a patient physician and air quotes relationship of of somebody who immediately needs your help. Um, and and you're there to do that in, in such a in such an environment. So that's that's got to be an amazing feeling for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm really fortunate in that. Um, you know, I was always able to to uh, to provide a this medical capability for the unit that I was out doing uh, conducting operations with. I mean. They, uh, yeah, I was always there for them, and it paid off. Yeah. You you are seeing patients as a medic. You think that maybe you want more education. You want to go to medical school, become a physician, maybe a PA, whatever it may be. But you're you're in the military. You're committed to them. You, you have however many years uh, on your contract, your commitment with the military, what is that like to know that you want more, you want more education, you want to go back to school, but you're handcuffed really to, to get that education that you want and need to move forward? Well, you, you just find a way to make it happen. So I was still active duty, but there was still, there was still things I could do while I was active duty before I had the opportunity to to completely separate and become a civilian. So, for example, um, I made it known to my command of my intentions uh, near the end of my uh, enlistment, and they supported me and supported my endeavors. And I just 
we just made it happen. And I took some classes at night uh, here and there. And I had some very supportive teachers who were aware of my scheduling and my um, priorities, especially to the mission. And and uh, everybody just worked with me. And we just we just made it happen. How did you know what you needed to do once you made the decision? Okay, I'm separating. I, I want to go to medical school. How did you find out what those next steps were? Oh, man, I had no idea. <laughs> Most people don't. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. To, to start with, I had no idea. I had to – I asked friends. I asked friends of friends. I, I, I sought out people who – had gone on this journey and started this journey. Um, and eventually, one of them was like, hey, uh, there's this podcast called The <laughs> Premakers. <laughs> so that that was one thing. And then just researching online as well, um, seeing the first steps, you know, the, the prereqs that you have to get, what exactly, which exact classes you need. And, and then pretty much I... I I would call schools and ask them, Hey, you know, this is, this is my goal. How can, do you have any resources for me or, or, um, can you point me in, in a, in a direction, you know? So I really just went on, went out and sought as many resources as I could find. Yeah. And I, I think that's something a lot of students aren't doing enough of, which seems kind of silly because we live in a day and age where there's so many resources, so many websites and podcasts now and, and so much else, and yet students are still coming in naive to the whole process because they're not going out and finding the information. So so you went out and you found that information. You reached out to schools. Looking back at your your previous undergrad degree, did you do well enough that you weren't super concerned about your your previous grades holding you back at all? That was that was actually a concern. I uh, the grades when once I found out the kind of GPA and test scores you needed to get into medical school, uh, that was a concern because originally my my GPA was was not that strong, and that was definitely a concern. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to do some hard work here to to kind of catch up to make to make myself a, the most competitive applicant that I can be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a huge concern that my GPA was too low. And, and just knowing that, um, I just put my, my prior military training into practice and set a goal. I set timelines and sought out every resource that, that could help and work my butt off. Do you think that because now you're working towards a goal, it was maybe easier for you? Maybe, maybe as a as a previous undergrad working in business degree, knowing that you kind of wanted to go to into the military anyway, maybe you just didn't put enough effort into it. And so you were smart enough. You just weren't uh, directed towards the right goal then. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's one part of it. Maybe that's one part of it. You know, uh, having a a specific actionable, measurable goal Mm -hmm. that you need, that you, you can kind of set your sights on. A Uh, smart goal. A smart goal, exactly. But in addition to that, uh, I'd had some training where, um, you know, um, I learned a lot about myself, about discipline, about personal responsibility, and 
you know, the, the classic story of the military making you into a disciplined person. And that really, really helped me out. And it's just a lot. Uh, also, just that time uh, being in the military and, and, you know, doing some hard stuff. You just learn a lot about yourself and life and, and you just become more responsible. And that, I think that was also another part of it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, I wish more people would go into the military just to learn those skills of of discipline and, and working towards a goal and teamwork and all this other stuff that it's it's so invaluable in, in everyday life that the military has the potential to teach you. Yeah, and I'm incredibly fortunate for those experiences. And not just the experiences, but you know, well a, a part of it is just the guys that you work with. Mm. And I was really fortunate in that I was surrounded, always surrounded by these guys who would just, it's, it's just part of the training where we just push each other to, to be better, stronger, faster, smarter, and, and always being in an environment where you're, you're being pushed to improve on a personal level, uh, day in, day out. You know, that's, I'm incredibly, incredibly thankful for, for those opportunities and experiences. When you got out of the military, you separated, you become a civilian. What what was the next step for you in deciding where to take classes, what classes to take? Do I do a, a, a formal post-bac, a do-it-yourself post-bac? Do I do a master's degree? How did you go about that process of figuring out what to do? I think first and foremost, the my first priority was location. I wanted to be, I wanted to be located uh, pretty close to, to family. That was that was number one. And then other priorities that would go into that were, of course, cost. You know, how much would it cost to actually go out and, and start doing this? Because if I didn't get in the first time, uh, I'd have to take more classes, and and that would be even. You know, that would add on to the cost of the whole endeavor. So in addition to that, I was a, I was a career changer. So the, I, I went on the AAMC, AAMC's website and they have a little uh, post back search engine. And so I just, what I did was I looked at the state that I'm from and, and my hometown and. I saw which postback programs were closest and compared cost prices and and um, which ones are closest and pretty much applied to all of them. Okay, and you go through mm-hmm. that process. What what was it like the the process going through a postback? Uh, now having gone through your undergrad, having gone through the military. What was that like taking science classes potentially for the first time, at least rigorous ones and a lot of them? Uh, what was mm-hmm. that like coming back, not being in the military, taking classes and, and having a sole focus on, on getting good grades? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a science background. So going into it, uh, I, had, <laughs> I, I, thought it was, I thought I was just going to have to work you know, day and night studying because I was going to be surrounded by people who had grown up taking, you know, AP science courses in high school and, and I was going to be completely outmatched in all my classes. But, you know, I, I, the first thing I did was I found out which of, uh, so I went down all my class lists and 
I found out uh, contact information for the professors, and then through them I got the syllabus for the for the upcoming class. And then from that I found out which resources we need, and and pretty much prior about a month prior to the classes starting, I would go through and I'd actually kind of go through the textbooks and and just kind of see see what I could learn on my own before the classes even started because I thought I would go in and, and have to fight for like a C or a B because I had no science background and and I you know I'm I'm getting old so <laughs> stuff doesn't stay in <laughs> stuff doesn't stay in the head you know as long as uh, as long as it previously did when I was younger so um I pretty much tried to learn as much as I could before the class even started yeah which is something we had uh, three or four weeks ago, having a, a guest on talking about study habits and study skills. And that's one of the first things she recommends is uh, reading the material beforehand. Even if even if it's only 10 minutes of glancing through the material, you're going to be better off than a student who doesn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you're setting exactly, yourself up for success. That's exactly what I did. And in, in the process of doing that, I I found what, what worked for me and what didn't work for me did did it work best for me to to read through the entire text and highlight or make outlines or did it did it work best to to kind of skim through once and then read over again and then try questions and and there's this whole you know uh, process of figuring out you know what exactly works best for you in this certain subject and and it would differ for each subject you know you wouldn't you wouldn't approach studying for physics in the same way that you'd approach studying for for example, um, biology, it's, mm. it's a different, and, and figuring that out, um, taking the time before class even start to figure that out, um, was really, um, important to me. It's because I want to do well in these classes. Yeah. And you ended up doing well in the classes and, I did. and, uh, doing well in the, the process of, of classes and taking the MCAT. Let's talk about the application as a as a non-traditional student, having a business background for your college degree, being a medic in the military, a lot of non-traditional students get to this point in the process with the applications of trying to figure out what the heck to say. Like, what do I talk about? How do I narrow down everything I've done? What do I focus on? How did you go about that process of, of telling your story? Man, that was probably the hardest, the hardest obstacle of this whole process so far is just sitting down and, and putting pen to paper and, and writing about yourself. It was, it was a huge challenge, and I would find myself um, <laughs> uh, not wanting. I'd, I'd sit down to write something, and I'd be like, oh, man, this is so painful. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just come, I would just come and just try to maybe write just a little story or even just a brief little outline of what I want to talk about and maybe, you know, jot down a couple sentences about a, a certain story I want to tell and maybe just let that and just stop for the day and just kind of let it, let it simmer like in the back of my mind and then reapproach it the next day and maybe try a little bit more or write a, write, maybe try to write from a different perspective or if that story was, if nothing was coming to me about that story, maybe write about a different story the next day, or just try to just try to kind of not force it, I guess, 
is what I'm trying to say. Just kind of let, let it come to you. And because when you sit down and you try to write a story, it's hard, especially talking about yourself. But if you maybe revisit it a couple days later, maybe just by simmering in your, in, in your subconscious, maybe seeing things flesh out over a couple days. So that helped a lot. But I think uh, brainstorming, outlining a couple different stories, and then just really putting in the work day by day and trying to write a little bit every day. That's, that's all I could do. And that's all I did. Yeah, that's good advice to, to take those breaks. I think a lot of students don't prioritize that when they're in the process of writing their their personal statement is let's let me write a draft or write a couple paragraphs and put it aside and look at something else and then come back to it with fresh eyes and and maybe a little bit more reflection and think about things differently Uh, I I think a lot of students try to and and it's probably because they just don't plan well and so they're trying to cram it in right at the very end like okay I, I have three hours before I want to submit and I need to write my personal statement and they just <laughs> cram it in, in in a session or two and they don't have that ability to to look at things with fresh eyes and reflect on what they've written to, to think about if that's exactly what they want to write. Yeah, that, that was the biggest point is, you know, after you're writing it or while you're writing it, just uh, it's such an introspective process is it, it forces you to, to think about your life and, and why you're doing things and and motivations and and your goals and it really I, I think it's really helpful and it's a great part of it um, even though it is it, it is challenging but I think the rewards that you gain out of it are, are more than worth it yeah I remember uh, looking at some of your early drafts of your personal statement and you had a very uh, very common struggle of trying to to sell yourself a little bit too much of about how uh, great of a teacher you were. You, you focused a lot on teaching, uh, especially as a medic, other, other people, other countries' medics, uh, what you were doing. What was that mindset shift for you of, of getting that feedback to say, you're, you're trying to, to sell yourself too much here. Just let's, let's tell the story behind what's going on more. Yeah, uh, it's, it's an easy mistake to make and everybody's going to make it. Everybody's going to make some kind of mistake like that. And I think the important part is to to just do that and just do your best at first to avoid it, but understand and have the self-awareness that you're probably going to make that mistake and and to be deliberate in your attempts to avoid um, making those mistakes as, as you go along in the editing process and try to shift towards, you know, you imagine someone, imagine an admissions committee member sitting in front of you and you're, you're telling them, you're pretty much telling them from the bottom of your heart, why do you want to be a physician? And, you know, if, if you were in a, a face-to-face conversation, you don't want to be having that, you know, salesman type pitch. That's, it's not a natural thing that you do. So I think imagining yourself sitting across from an admissions committee person and, and just kind of saying, explaining to them, you know, Hey, this is, this is what I want to do. And, and this is the story. Why? And here's, you know, here's what happened in the story and here's, here's what I did and here's what I learned. And I think that was, that was the biggest conceptualization that helped. Looking back uh, now on having several interviews, having acceptances, 
how much of that success do you do you play into the story that you're able to tell in your application and then connecting and, and telling more stories in your interviews? A large part of it. Uh, yeah, it's huge. It's huge because you have to have, it, it helps you in telling your story in the interview to have a, a seamless um, connected story that, that puts together every, all these different facets of your life and winds them into one narrative that, that you, that that's your story. That's, that's what happened. And it's easier on you. It's easier on the interviewer. It's easier on people who look at your application to be like, so here's a story of this guy. And instead of being scattered all over the place, like I did this because of that, I did this because of that, it ties everything together really. And it gives the person a, an easier time of just sitting down and, and looking at a person's application and seeing their motives and seeing their goals and uh, giving them a way to, to tie everything together. When you found yourself in your interview days, was there any any pressure about your previous undergrad experience not doing well in your business undergrad? Uh, or was it more focused on just all the cool stuff you've done as a medic in the military? <laughs> nobody nobody brought up my undergrad. It didn't come up. Uh, it, came, it came up once uh, because I was asked about any red flags. And that's what I mentioned. And then my interviewer said, oh, you know, that, that happens. That's, that's common. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So it, it only came up once and it wasn't even a big deal. Um, but the majority of my interviewers wanted to talk about my experiences in the military and serving abroad. And it's easy to talk about that. And I love talking about that. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's an experience that you had that you just light up about. Uh, and, and a lot of students are like, well, there's a lot of military people applying to medical school. I'm like, yeah, but your story is still going to be different. Just tell your story. Uh, and don't be afraid of, of, of that maybe being common because uh, because it's it's your story, your experiences in the military are yours and yours alone. And uh, everything that has led up to that point is is what shapes who you are. And so I think students need to, to not be afraid of their stories, uh, even if they may be common. They're, they, they're still their own. Yeah, and, and that's true of, of everything. You know, I, I'm not the first person with this background to apply to medical school. There's, there's been plenty of guys and girls who have applied um, with the same experiences that I have, but it's just like any other form of, of art or like books or movies or, or uh, poetry, you know, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So it's about the specific aspect of your story and the new interesting details that you can bring to the table. What was the 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 process like for you? Uh, once you you've interviewed, you have these conversations. The the process of okay, now I guess I need to wait and see if everything went okay. Uh, as somebody from the military side of things, it's it's hard to wait for that long. It's just, everything has a purpose and a plan. And and what do you mean you have to tell me? I you're telling me I have to just sit here and do nothing. What was that like for you? <laughs> Oh, the hurry up and wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was real. Yeah. Um, you have to stay focused on something. 
uh, for me, it was, it was another job that I had. Um, and I just went and buried myself into that because you can't, you can't sit around all day and wait for the email to come. You're, you'll drive yourself crazy. So yeah. you, you got to stay focused and invest yourself into something that's, that's constructive and, um, something that you want to do and that you find, you find joy in. You were lucky enough to get a lot of amazing acceptances. What was the process like for you to narrow down what school that you ultimately chose? Um, again, it, it would be location, location to family. If not location to family, location uh, maybe in some part of the country where I have a, a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances where I've spent, where I've spent a, a good amount of time and have some type of social support network. Uh, another part of that is cost. Um, cause there's the private school and the public school and I'm going to be applying for, um, VA benefits as a military service member and the VA doesn't pay for 100% of the uh, private school. So the specific calculus and how that breaks down, that also comes into play. So finances do come into play as well. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to all that, it was um, what the what the school emphasizes and how I felt about the school and how I felt about the people at the school and specific curriculums and and um, the, how the interview day went as well and, and how I felt about everybody they interacted with. Looking back on your interview days, what what did you take note of to try to remember so that you could compare once you had acceptances? I tried to I tried to make a little pros and cons list at the end of each interview day, and usually it would include some type of financial blurb, some type some type of um, location blurb. You know, that it, was it always gonna was it gonna be snowy there? Was it gonna be like forty degrees? below zero there because I'm from California and (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I do like the cold Um, another another way I was going to narrow it down was location of course Um, curriculum the facilities opportunities for for research opportunities for community service um, just the general gestalt of the whole day you know, were the were the med, did the, all the med students seem pretty happy, and how did all of the faculty seem? Just a just a general, you know, just all of the day and the people. What does the yeah. future hold for you? I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa there, Whoa there! You haven't even started yet. One step at a time. Uh, there's no guarantees here. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to medical school. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm excited for for your journey into uh, into medical school and beyond. I know your your experiences as a medic in the military are going to uh, have a profound impact on your uh, abilities starting out in your clinical rotations. Just the the amount of experience that you've already had will hopefully um, help make you a, a better doctor and be able to help your classmates as you as you go on this journey. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. What, uh, what words of wisdom do you have for the student out there who uh, maybe is in the military right now and, and thinking that they want to get out and, and start medical school soon? 
I would say reach out. Reach out to your friends. Reach out to your friends of friends. I would say seek out as many resources as you can find. I would say start now. Start taking some type of science class now, whether it's a physics class or maybe like an intro to chemistry class or even uh, statistics or or calculus class. Start taking something right now and prove to yourself that this is what you want to do and and that you want to, you can do this. Prove that you have capability to yourself. Looking at at your application as an outsider, I'd go, oh, this was this was pretty easy for you. Good grades, good MCAT score, getting into great schools. What was the hardest thing for you going through this process? The sacrifices. What sacrifices? There were times where my friends were like, hey, you know, Justin, come out. You know, we're going to go. We're going to go to the bar. We're going to go on this camping trip. Or we're going to go. We're going to go do this thing. And I have to be like, nope, sorry, guys. Got to study. <laughs> <laughs> Or there's the uh, the family events, time with family, time with friends, sacrifices, the long nights studying in the library instead of going out and, and having fun. Yeah. I know that's something that I didn't do very well going through college was the delayed gratification. Uh, delayed cut. Yep. Yeah. Focusing on, on what need to be focused on right now. And, and I would go out and like, hey, it's Friday night. We're going out to the bar. Okay. Don't go without me. That's what I would do. Uh, and it showed in my MCAT score, unfortunately. Uh, I, I remember, I vividly remember uh, one of my one of my friends in college, Forrest was his name, and uh, he ended up uh, crushing everything and, and getting early early acceptance into the, the Florida, University of Florida program. I don't know what he's doing nowadays, but I, I vividly remember like trying to peer pressure him into coming out. They're like, you don't need to study for the MCAT anymore. Come on, let's come out. And he's like, no, I got to study. <laughs> like, oh, nerd. Um, but <laughs> it, it works. Like, uh, I, I definitely took the wrong approach to it. And, and the sacrifices are, are definitely real and uh, are something that you have to be okay with. And maybe it's not sacrificing 100% of the time, but maybe 90% of the time. Uh, and you'll be way ahead of the game for most. Yeah, and that, that brings up a good point. You know, uh, this this whole this whole time I've been working on balance, and it's it's hard. It's a challenge to to find balance between, you know, maintaining that GPA or maintaining that strict study schedule for the MCAT and balancing it with work, but also balancing it balancing it with time for self care, working out, eating right, getting enough sleep, spending time with friends and family. Because you have to do that. You can't just put it all to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And and hard charge yourself uh, towards 100% study work. You can't do that. That's that's unsustainable. So you know, yes, I made sacrifices, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I I found a way to to balance it, and I still did. You know, I had time to have fun. Fun times were had. <laughs> do you have any ideas of specialties that you may be interested in? Oh man, I'm just starting. You know, I'm trying to keep my mind open. I have so much time ahead of me. But yes, uh, I'm I'm considering oncology. I love oncology. I'm considering emergency medicine. Considering maybe a surgical subspecialty like like orthopedics. But at the same time, I'm trying to stay you know wide open and, and open to to new experiences and opportunities. Lots of opportunities out there. 
Well, Justin, mm-hmm. thanks for coming on the podcast, sharing your story, hopefully giving some some encouragement and motivation to uh, those service members and even civilian students out there who who may hopefully get some some motivation from your story. Yeah, I hope it helped. Thanks, Ryan. All right, so there you have it. Again, that was Justin, former special operations medic. Amazing story uh, of success. Uh, amazing story of service and really finding his way. I know a lot of you listening are military vets, are active duty military. So hopefully Justin's story will provide you with some motivation on your journey to medical school. I mentioned at the beginning how you can support me. Again, just spread awareness of this podcast. If you're looking at MCAT prep, whether it's MCAT full-length exams, you're looking at an MCAT course, or MCAT tutoring, Next Step Test Prep has been my go-to recommendation for many years. And that's because you guys tell me that it's one of the best out there. You love the course in the office hours, the live office hours it gives you. You love the full-length exams and how they are second best to the AAMC exams, which for full-length exams, second place is where you want to be. Obviously, first place will go to the people who write the test, and uh, their tutoring is second to none. So you can use the promo code MSHQ everywhere to save some money on tutoring on the course or on their full length exams. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre Med Years podcast. Mm-hmm.